everybody, welcome back to Simply Holy, a practical guide for making the holidays holy days. And we're now down to the last week before 2018, and um, I feel kind of badly because I haven't made a video in so long. I tried, but I have to say that last week was an actual practice in open-handed living in every way. So I just had to open my hands and say, it's not going to happen. So now we're actually down to the last six days. And um, I wanted to encourage you uh, to go ahead and write down, you know, something really important for you to do through this time is to really write down how God has changed you through this process of uh, the past 70 days or so, 60 days. Um, just to, first of all, Satan wants to snatch all of those victories away. He wants you to tell you that um, you're a failure and that it didn't work and there's nothing working and you're blah, 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 whatever it is that he says to you uh, repeatedly. He wants you to doubt and wants you to give up. So writing down what the truth is, is a very important process. So you, I think writing down what God has, how he has grown you, what he has shown you, every lesson that you can possibly remember from these past few days, you need to write those things down. And um, usually every year at the end of Simply Holy uh, Holiday, we get together for a celebration together We all um, on New Year's Eve day. And we just sit around and we read those to each other. We um, you know, write about 150 words or so about what God has done. It's just short sharing, but um, how he has changed us over these past few days, a um, few weeks. And then we sing and pray and uh, share. It's wonderful. This year, uh, actually, we have church service during that time. And I want to encourage anybody that can to come join us and anybody that can uh, and is willing to share, uh, we want to have you share. If, however God works it out, that's just what we're thinking today is that we would like to keep it the same sort of spirit, only it would be with um, all the turning points. So I want to encourage you to do that. Whether you participate on Sunday or not, um, of course wear white, but even if you can't be there, please write out what you feel like God has done and post it on the Simply Holy page. That would really it encourages me and it encourages everybody else to be able to read other people's victories and the lessons that they've learned. So I want to encourage you to do that. And we're down to the wire now, so I just had to put it on the video because we have to do it. So um, I wanted to, though, even though yesterday uh, really was the celebration of Christ's birth, I still wanted to share this lesson. I actually had tried to make a video of several times, but I was, I was detained. Um, and I wanted to talk about these two characters because I really feel like that they've helped me to see the heart of God even more. And that is Simeon and Anna. And I want to read uh, from Luke 2, uh, starting in verse 25. It says, Now there was a man named Simeon who lived in Jerusalem. He was a righteous man and very devout. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he eagerly expected the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Lord, now I can die in peace. As you promised me, I have seen the Savior you have given to all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Joseph and Mary were amazed at what was being said about Jesus. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, This child will be rejected by many in Israel. 
and it will be their undoing. But he will be the greatest joy to many others. Thus, the deep thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of, in the, of the tribe of Asher, and was very old. She was a widow, for her husband had died when they had been married only seven years. She was now 84 years old. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking to Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about Jesus to everyone who had been waiting for the promised king to come and deliver Jerusalem. And I just love the thought that in these two, uh, these two people, we find two very obscure people that um, it's just a mystery to me uh, why certain people are chosen to be uh, put in the Bible. But I know that whoever is chosen uh, to be in the Bible has got to be a lesson for us in something, a warning or a, an encouragement, an example to follow, um, whatever. And uh, I have just loved, loved thinking about these two guys. So um, I just wrote down a few things here that might, hopefully might help you too. So the first thing that we see about Simeon is that it, it says that he is righteous and devout. And you know, I that those words stuck out to me because it just reminded me, you know, he's righteous and devout, yet he's not clergy. He wasn't one of the priests. He wasn't working in the temple. He's not full-time in the ministry. He's not a, a, a formal minister. And it just was a reminder to me that that is what our call is. Our call is to be righteous and devout. Every single person, that is their call. Everyone who decides to follow Jesus, that is the call, to be righteous and devout. Whatever you're doing, whatever career you have, whatever station in life you have, the call is for you to be righteous and devout. It makes your life significant. You do not need a title uh, to be considered worthy of use by God. And I just think that's a beautiful insight into his heart. Then it, after that, it says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, this just reminded me, you know, he's filled with the Holy Spirit yet before, but before Pentecost. Hmm, very mysterious. You know, because I think that even, even if we try, we try not to, but we do have a little box that we sort of put all of our, you know, little religious thoughts in. And, you know, it's like, well, the, the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. And, you know, we kind of just picture it like this is the way this is supposed to happen. When you get baptized, you get to get the Holy Spirit. Okay, those things are true. But this is a very mysterious concept. We have to remember, you know, the Holy Spirit had been filling people since, uh, it, apparently since after Adam and Eve. You know, if you read back to through the Old Testament, you see that the Holy Spirit was working all that time. And um, I only mentioned this. I know that here in the Turning Point, we did a uh, study of the Holy Spirit this year. So I'm not telling you things that you haven't already heard or don't already know. But I think it's always a good reminder that... You know, we have to allow things to be mysterious with God. Can we do that? Can we allow the Trinity to be a mysterious thing? That the Holy Spirit to be a mysterious thing? That we're never going to fully understand it? And actually, the more we think that we know, it seems like uh, we need to be even more careful. <laughs> because we can start to think that we really know how this thing works. We don't really know how this thing works. But we, to the best of our ability, live for God. It's not the point to know how everything works. And I think that, you know, um, taking the mystery out of everything is such a, it, it, it's one of the things that, that turns people off, I think, to Christianity. You know, it's been said lately um, that atheism really isn't the thing that people are turning to, even though uh, sometimes we're, we're fed that. But I think it really is mysticism. People want something that feeds their soul. They're looking for the mysterious. They love it. They love the Harry Potter. They love the Lord of the Rings. They love that 
that thought of the spiritual battle and the epic adventure of, you know, good versus evil, which is true. It's absolutely true because it really is God and it, there really is a spiritual battle going on. Um, but when they don't see, when they see the Christian life more as a rules, a set of rules, these are things we don't do, these are things we do, and these, this is the way you do it, and you know, anybody that, we have to do our Sunday sermons like this, and you have to have your midweek service like this, and you have to do communion like this, and you have to do, you know, all the have-tos, all that stuff, they see that, and they see these people debating back and forth, and it turns them off, because it's all about, this is the way you do it. I think people are looking for the mystery. <laughs> They want the Holy Spirit, the, that, that, that mysterious thing. And so they're searching for that. So they will go and find it wherever they can, that mysticism, which leads them further because, you know, it really is Satan masquerading as an angel of light. But I just love the thought of, you know, we, can't, we cannot predict and we cannot put God into a box. We have to always remember to open that up and go, God is mysterious. So it was just one of those... Um, things that happened when I read about how he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was eagerly expecting that what God had said was going to be done. The other thing that I thought was really uh, intriguing about this is that the Holy Spirit had given him a personal, I don't know if it was secret, but a personal message. A, he, the Holy Spirit had given him a private message that said, you're going to get to see the Messiah when he comes. Before you die, you're going to see the Messiah. What? I mean, that's an amazing concept. And it's not just for him. You know, this is how it is. When we say Jesus is Lord, we get the gift of the Holy Spirit. When we're baptized and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, he has a secret message, a private message for each one of us. It's individualized. Because if, if God can make every, every eye to be different, it, and no eye color is the same, no fingerprint is the same, no human being in the history of mankind is exactly the same, then that Holy Spirit that comes to live in you has a secret and private message for you and will lead you. But you know, the reason, that's available to everybody, but the reason that Simeon was able to experience it is because he followed it. You know, he got up that day and the Bible says that the, the Spirit led him to the temple. Was it his day to go to the temple? Was it what he had planned that day? Was it on his agenda? What is it? Was it normal? You know, he is the perfect example of open-handed living, and I'm sure that this is what you've been experiencing over the past few weeks, um, as I have. But open-handed living is saying, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm not going to get up and expect my agenda. I'm not getting up and making my to-do list of things that I'm going to get done today. I'm not getting up and saying, this is what I want to do today. God, will you bless my plans? God, bless what I'm doing. Please help us to have a good day. Help me to have a great day. A great day is the day that you let God lead you, that you let the Holy Spirit lead your day, not the day that you came up with for yourself. The, this says that the Holy Spirit led Simeon to the temple that day. I don't know what he's leading you to. Each and every day you have to go, what is it? You know, and then God will change it. So the Holy Spirit will lead you in a different way. My week last week was an absolute lesson in open-handed living. Um, last Sunday, uh, the Sunday before Christmas, um, JL got involved in a, in a car accident. She's okay, but she was rear-ended and um, she has already a lot of physical difficulties. So I knew this was going to be no quick fix. When that happened on Sunday, I knew it was going to change things. And then um, by Tuesday, um, you know, we're dealing with all that. You know what it is when you get in a car accident. You have to deal with all the insurance. You have to deal with her, her good friend Michaela was there too and she's okay too. But 
you know, you gotta go to the ER, you gotta get all the insurance done, you gotta deal with all this extra stuff, plus the car and all that. So it's sort of a little bit of a, oh, wait a second, we weren't counting on that. <laughs> I wasn't counting on the extra hours that it would take. Um, and then by Tuesday, Jay was had a full-on sinus infection, and I was like, wow, okay, nothing, everything is not going to go according to plan. And you know what? I was grateful because, you know, uh, we, we were lucky that JL was good, you know, that she's fine, so to speak, and uh, she's just dealing with the repercussions of it, and lots of pain and all that, but really could have been much worse, you know, so I'm, I have all this in my mind. But what it also revealed to me was I also had quite a bit of expectations still. Now, I feel like that every day I get up and, you know, if you picture a bathtub full of water, that's, that's my, you know, in my brain I can have that. My, my brain is like a bathtub of expectations. You know, it's full of expectations. This is how it's going to go. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. I'm a, I'm a planner. I'm a make it happen person. That's what I'm going to do. And some of you have kids like that. If you're not like that, you know what it's like to have that kid wakes up and basically they've already been planning their day before they walk out the door and they might even start talking to you in mid-sentence. Anyways, I was thinking, or, and I think, or whatever, <laughs> so you know who they are. Well, that's me. So I, my brain is like a big full bathtub and every morning when I get up and have my quiet time, I feel like I, I just pull out the plug of that and I, and, I, and I drain it and I go, God, you refill it with whatever you want to fill that day. And um, I thought that I had done that, but actually uh, it was revealed that I had quite let all those expectations out of the bathtub. And I just, I think I couldn't even catch up with it because by that time, I'm basically... Uh, the one that's making everything happen in the family because my two sort of helpers <laughs> to, you know, through the season and not just helpers, but like uh, my companions, you know, aren't there. I needed to really take care of them. But I didn't, I couldn't even get ahead of it enough to go, oh God, how do you want this to go? So in many ways, I feel like I did, I, I didn't get the lessons I was supposed to do and I didn't handle it perfectly. I didn't handle it well. And sometimes I did and sometimes I didn't, whatever, it was confusing. But now looking back, I just go, you know, it was just one of those lessons in open-handed living. You have to open your hands and say, what do you want from today? And, and then be glad. And be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. There's a difference between going, okay, God, I'm just whatever, whatever, God. And that you really have a low-grade irritation. You really have a resentment in your heart that it's not going as expected, that it's not turning out your way. And you're like, well, no, God, I'll give you yours. If you, but as long as, 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 as long as like, you know, I want my stuff on the list. Like I'll put you first, but I want my stuff on there somewhere. No, God is the list. <laughs> God is 100% the list. And whatever he wants to happen today, let's rejoice and be glad in it. I mean, I have to look back over this past week and not count up all the things that were not done or that didn't get. Count up everything that did happen, everything that was great. I got to spend time with friends, new and old. I got to, uh, we had so much progress made in our family. Was it perfect? Was it everything I wanted it to be? Did I, did I succeed every single day with no temper talk? No, I did not. There were many pitfalls. There were down, you know, there were moments in the valley, but... For the most part, I am grateful for what was. And I have to look back and, and look backwards, as I've talked about before, and just go, thank you, God, for all of those amazing blessings. I need to be glad in it. So anyway, I think that Simeon is a great example of that. And um, if he had not followed the Spirit that day, um, he would not have gotten to see the blessing. And I, and I think about these words right here um, that I have, I have sort of underlined. It says, that day... The Spirit 
led him to the temple. And so then it says, so when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. And I think if you just boil it down, it is the Spirit led him that day. So <laughs> Simeon was there for the miracle. Basically, if he had not followed the Spirit that day, if he had been so set on his own agenda and on his own plans and on his own stuff, and he had been pouting and whining about how, you know, things weren't working out his way, he would have missed the miracle. But because he was walking in the Spirit, he had an open-handed day, this, he was there to get to witness the miracle. That's just amazing, that day. <laughs> um, the next thing I wrote down was that uh, he gets to, because of that, because of following um, the Spirit, he gets to bless Mary and Joseph and the baby and all of us with this incredible instruction. And it it's still instructing us 2,000 years later. I think about, the even if I did just a lesson on this blessing itself, <laughs> it has so much in it um, where he's able to say, he is a light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of your people Israel. Just thinking about how this was, the, Jesus really is the light. I mean, sometimes we can say religious phrases so much or biblical phrases so much that they lose their meaning, sort of like those Christmas carols. But if you think about it, he really was the light. He came to this earth and people were attracted to him because he was the light of God in a body. And each of us is that. We have that light, that spark inside of us that will draw men to us. Purity, holy living attracts people. It attracts people to you because we, we, we are drawn to the light. But then also it says down here, he says, this child will be rejected by many in Israel and it will be their undoing. And I, I was reminded of this with an experience that we had um, on Sunday, the, not, this, not on Christmas Eve, but the one before that. And, uh, you know, we had been planning this big Advent conspiracy service, and uh, we were very excited about it. And uh, we had actually thought in our minds, you know, maybe this would be a really great way to reach out to people because people, some people who wouldn't normally come to church, they will be attracted to benevolent things. Like, they do want to be a part of changing the world. They just don't want it to be through the Bible, you know, that what they think the Bible is or what they think Christianity is. But sometimes they'll participate in these kind of benevolent things where they think this would be a great way to invite people and, you know, we're really pushed for a whole bunch of visitors. And um, anyway, so all this, all the work that went into that. Then on Sunday, it was just, there was hardly anybody there. The, the crowd was so sparse. It was so thinned. And, you know, it's just an unmistakable lack of visitors. And, you know, that happens from time to time. It's not um, unheard of. But I, I think I was genuinely taken aback. And I was reminded, oh, yeah, like, you know, of course, People are busy. They're not here at church because they're Christmas shopping and they're, um, you know, going to Nutcracker and they're going, I don't have anything against these things, but they're going to see the Christmas Carol and they're, you know, sitting by the fire and drinking hot chocolate with their family, you know, because what's happened to our modern day society is that Christmas is about family. Christmas is not about family, it's about Jesus Christ. And, uh, it just made me feel like we can say that till we're blue in the face, but if it doesn't result in you actually coming to church to give him praise and to, in homage, in honor, and glory, I think we're missing something. So it was just a sort of a sadness in my heart, just realizing that this is what Simeon said was true. You know, Christ will be, many people will trip over Christ. He will be rejected by many. You know, part of the Christian life, part of open-handed living is becoming okay with this constant tension of the fact that 
so many people, uh, Christ is going to be unappealing to them. And you can try as you might uh, to make him appealing, to let that light shine. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just going to be unappealing to them. <laughs> and being sort of okay with that, it, that is a really hard tension for me to manage. But then, and then on the other hand, but he will be a joy to many. He will be a joy, <laughs> the greatest joy to many others. And I'm like, well, this is exactly how I feel. I feel exactly like this is the joy of my life. My relationship with God is the joy of my life. I can't imagine going through one day without basically my best friend, you know, and it took me, it has taken, it has been a journey to get to the point where I stopped blaming God for everything, you know, when you're a young Christian, or maybe it's just when you're a young person, you just blame God, and you're mad at God for this, and mad at God for that, you know, but it, honestly, through the years, He has just won me. He has just won me. My relationship with Him, it is the joy of my life, it is my best friend. I don't want to do anything without His approval. I don't I don't want to spend money. I don't want to buy anything. I don't want to eat anything. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to plan anything without his approval. You know, this year we hardly bought anything, but I I just got to feel like it was just because we didn't get the green light. I just kept feeling like, well, we're not, we don't have the green light. And so I'm just not going to buy anything that we don't have the green light for. And it's been great. You know, I, I, I look back and I just go, I'm missing absolutely nothing. It is the greatest joy of my life. I want to walk through life with God. It's not a set of rules and it's not some sort of weird perfectionistic obedience, legalistic, I gotta do this and you can't do that and you can't. It's not, it's a choice, it's a relationship. I have transferred my love, all of my love. It's get, God's getting more and more and more of my heart. More of my heart every day is being transferred into a love for God. And you know, am I perfect at it? No, that's not the point. It's a relationship. Walking in the Spirit, opening your hands, saying whatever you want, God, for today, it is a, it's because you want to walk with your best friend. This is a true relationship with God. This is the joy that I wish I could explain even more fully with words and music and whatever, but I, you know, it's somehow you just can't even, you just can't explain it. But I wish that I could. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to to um, finish out here with a few thoughts about Anna, who, you know, of course, it says that she's a prophetess, and I just love that as well because, you know, here again is our little our little theological box <laughs> that's being busted open, you know, because you know sometimes we can think we oh I I truly understand what the woman's role is, you know, from the Bible, and then. But then when something comes out of the ordinary, you're like, what? You know, like, how can Deborah be a, a what was it, a judge, you know, from the Old Testament? How can, I thought only men could be judges. And here's Deborah, she's a woman, and then you have these prophets, and then you have Anna, she's a prophetess, you know, and it's, it's, it's kind of, but I feel like God, it's almost like a sense of humor, like, yeah, and every once in a while, I just throw a woman in there, so that's, <laughs> there you have it. So it, she, that just kind of uh, intrigues me about the mystery of God. And then it says that she worshipped, her worship was fasting and praying, and Fasting and praying was her act of worship. And I I just think, you know, this. she's such a great example of the fact that you don't need a title. <laughs> you don't need a title. What is your spiritual act of worship? How do you worship God? She did it through fasting and prayer. Maybe that is what you're being called to. What is it that God's calling you to in the form of worship to Him? It's individualized. It's special. It means something. And then I uh, had to just write down the fact that you know, she here's this single woman, she's a widow, and that became the biggest blessing. You know, if she had been 
I think sometimes we get to this, sometimes we can have this warped thinking of somehow that if you're, you know, I don't know, single, you're just like waiting around to get married or that, you know, if you're incomplete in some way. And I'm like, you know what, if she hadn't been single, she wouldn't have been able to be used by that. If she had had the constraints of a marriage or parenting, if she had been busy raising children or grandchildren, she wouldn't have been able to be in this place to experience this incredible blessing of God. Her being single was a blessing to her. You know, whatever station we are in life, God is using it on purpose. It is, it is a beautiful time that if you had it differently, God may not be able to use you in that way. And I just feel like she's such a great reminder that God is using every demographic all of the time. I mean, when we look back at, this, at, the, at the birth of Jesus Christ, we see that every single uh, um, strata of the of humankind was represented. We have the wise men, we have the philosophers and the scientists of the age bowing before his throne, his majesty, basically. Then we have the shepherds, the sort of the blue-collar, um, you know, everyday men bowing down to Jesus Christ. We have the, this single woman being used. We have this regular, we have the priest, Zachariah. We have just your average devout Jewish man, you know, uh, just living out his daily life, but all of them coming and worshiping before God because he uses everybody. No one is unnoticed by God. No career goes unnoticed. No act of service goes unnoticed. Whatever you're doing, wherever you're working, the way that you're raising your children, your household, the way that you're going to work, the things that you're doing, your average everyday jobs are not unnoticed and unused by God. And I, I love that. I just, I just think we can see so much about the heart of God in that. And um, I, I also think in, in closing, just, you know, why, why did God, I mean, there had to be other people in the temple that day. Why does she get mentioned? What a gift. I mean, isn't that an amazing thought? Out of all the people, this elderly, single woman is, is put in the Bible, and she, she gets this huge gift personally from God to be able to see Jesus Christ. And she's talking to everybody about him. And then 2,000 years, she's still talking to everybody about him. <laughs> what an amazing gift from God. So I hope that these two people inspire you to, no matter where you are in your life, no matter what's going on with you, no matter what circumstances God is throwing out to you that day, walk in the Spirit. Open your hands. Let Him guide you. you if, if not, you just might miss a miracle happening right before you. And I, I hope this helps you. Until next time.